Welcome to Haunted Hospitality, Southern Stories Told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe, and I have a story, part two, for you guys today. (laughs) But first, Robin, how's life? Life is good. So I don't know if I've mentioned this on this channel, as if we have another channel where I mention things, which we do not. But I am in the seemingly never-ending process of apartment hunting. Uh, And one... It's draining. Stop it. World, just let me have one. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who to consult about that. (laughs) The other thing, and this is just like a funny byproduct of it. So I, because of the roommate situation and my roommate is not very much in town, I am, you know, requesting permission and oftentimes being granted permission to videotape the apartments as I go through them so I can confer with said roommate about it. I just, I would like to report that I just apparently have grown to a point where I have no shame whipping open strangers' closets, videotaping what I need for depth. <laughs> and just, I feel like I am so invasive because I'm seeing like so many parts of their lives, but I'm like, I need to know the dimensions. I need to know the storage capacity of this place. I need to know if your faucets work. <laughs> and I just, anyway, by like the 10th time you've done this, I feel like a major stalker. Wow. I guess I just needed to let everybody know that. Well, I'm I'm sorry. Not being nosy. I'm sorry. Is is that the correct response? This is not like a venting thing. It's more like just a weird phenomenon. (laughs) And like I, because the thing is, I'm not being nosy. I value privacy to a big degree. So I'm like, I like am putting the exact amount of non-interest I expect other people would put into my closet. But like, anyway, I just. It's just so funny to me because now, like, at first I was like, oh, can I open this closet? And now I'm like, no, I need to know these things for my for my knowledge in this apartment hunting journey that, again, is never ending. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. right now is not the best time to look for somewhere to rent <laughs> or buy or live. I just need everybody who's going to or live. <laughs> I just need everybody who's going to buy a place to go ahead and buy it so potentially prices can come down. Is that how the economy works? I really don't know. And so then I can go and get into a place of my own. Well, Robin, you know I work in real estate. Um I do. You just you, said you tell me like no. that's just not how it works. So you just had a sentence and you asked me, is that how it works? And it's taking every iron will of my being to not turn this into a real estate uh, podcast. So I will let it live. It was just one episode where we like didn't talk about a ghost or a crime at all. It was just like, we all need to understand this housing crisis. Yes. Uh (laughs) Well, you can blame iBuyers. I won't go too far into that. I am so sorry. Thank you, Zoe. Actually, I um, can we have a separate conversation? Maybe not recorded about mm-hmm. that sometime. One hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I, I, anyway, how are you? Well, I'm feeling great now that you just asked me to info dump. Uh, <laughs> I love info dumping. Speaking of info yeah. dumping, um, that's pretty Which much is just this podcast. Well, see, so the thing is, you know how we were talking about, I think it was in our anniversary podcast, that one of my favorite things about this podcast is that I now know a lot of things so I can tell people's things. Yeah. So today I started off with being at a belt rank test for a bunch of white belts that were part of my dojo. And Mm -hmm. it ended up finishing earlier than I thought. And so I was able to join my friends doing a Pokemon Go thing today. It was a Pokemon Go community day for Alolan Geodudes. 
Which I know probably doesn't make too much sense to you, Robin. I sometimes just smile and nod when you say something I really don't understand. <laughs> but we were Pokemon hunting on the horseshoe. And oh, then it's a good place. It, was, it, it was only like noon or one, and but it was about to storm. So it was really cloudy. So we were feeling like the ooky feelings, right? The spooky ooky. And so I just started info dumping all the information I remembered from our USC episode. About the horseshoe? About the horseshoe, all the ghosts and the bodies there and the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just, like, info dumping. And they were actually asking questions like, wait, what? And I was like, yes! (laughs) Zoe, I think you led a ghost tour. I, I basically did while we were catching Alolan Geodudes. So That's amazing. I also got six shinies, in case anyone was wondering. They look like Cheeto Huffs. And then we got caught in the storm, and we had to wait. You know that, like, mosaic building that's right across the horseshoe? It has an no. overhang, and there's a mosaic wall that, of Cocky's tail. No. Okay. Well, it has an overhang. And <laughs> Cocky is USC's mascot, everybody. Yes. We're, we're, this is a very USC-centric podcast. Well, I was on campus okay. today, but we were hanging out under there, and it got so bad because the wind was so bad. We legit thought we were in the middle of a tornado for a second because we heard the whistling. Oh, is that what you texted me from? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I was I I pictured you like in a car. No, she, she, guys, we, everybody. She texted me that she was caught in a storm. No, so like, like it would be a bit before she could record. So we were walking around the horseshoe and we got stuck for like an hour under this overhang because mm-hmm. it was storming so bad that you could not walk. The wind was going so much. Oh, okay, gotcha. We got wet. We um, got very wet. And then we went to Wet Willies, which was very ironic. And then I went home. Did you get dry at Wet Willies? Oh, yes. Actually, because I was the DD. So. Oh. The designated driver. Yeah. Well, there's so many, like, double meetings here. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Glad you got out okay. Glad you got to lead a ghost tour. Glad you got to info dump. I know how much you love that. I love that. Uh, You're about to be able to do that for another Check Swatch hour. Before we get into my info dump supreme part two, Robin, uh, you have something spooky for us? I do. I do. So as listeners could probably gather, this is called, like, what, Haunted Hospitality's Guide to Ghost Hunting? Yeah. So I decided that I would plan my something spooky accordingly. Okay. And have it kind of be be in the same vein, except it is, I'm trying to do why we like scary stories. And a lot of the research I found was kind of horror movie centric. So take that into consideration as you're hearing this. And this is from Harvard Business Review, CNN, and research from the University of Southern California, all of which will be linked in the source link when when you click that. Anyway, yeah. So (laughs) I need to like find a more concise way to explain that. This is an ongoing issue. So there's a few different reasons we like scary stories, and a lot of these need to kind of converge together in order to get us to like them. One is that certain people are just predisposed to like it. So, which, I mean, if you think about it, so we, I just remember this kind of being a constant thing we would have to navigate. I hosted a lot of movie nights during our freshman year at college, and a lot of them were scary movies. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I always knew you were a staple. My roommate was a staple. Y'all are, like, horror junkies types. But then there were, like, certain people in our friend groups who I was, I would have to, like, 
gauge if they would be able to be a, like even tolerate the movie you, you know because something like and i think in terms of a ability to enjoy horror and watch it all the way through without covering eyes i feel like you are more there than i am but I'm definitely, I, I enjoy it a lot and I enjoy like the actual story of it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But there are some people who are just predisposed to not wanting anything to do with horror. And that could have to do with potentially higher levels of empathy. Like you really like absorb other people's emotions. So you can't really see people in like these distressing situations. And it could also just be like how, not necessarily like secure you feel overall, but perhaps like how secure you feel like in the moment, because a lot of the enjoyment of horror and this kind of kept coming up again is the ability to have some sort of remove from it. So like if we were, and I think this is part of the reason why I kept covering my eyes. So like when you're watching a movie on screen, some people are able to be like so much more like this is just happening on screen. I can tell that I am in no danger, but I'm still enjoying the thrill of vicariously experiencing the danger, but without any of the real negative side effects of being scared for myself. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm watching a scary movie, I'm always thinking like, something is popping out of that dark corner over there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have that experience yourself? Yes. What no, 100%. You? You okay. Yeah. If, okay. if I could watch a movie, a horror movie where somebody said, hey, I'm being 100% honest with you, there are zero jump scares in this movie, and I believe them and trust them 100%, I think I would be perfectly fine going through the movie. But it's the jump scares that get me. The jump scares, I, I feel like you have to be, okay, and this is kind of just me having a, criti I'm critiquing horror movies at the moment. I feel like you need to be somewhat discerning over how you're doing jump scares because like I, I feel like some movies it's not scary unless it is the build-up to a jump scare or the jump scare itself and I think that there are so many other ways to be scary and like not every single moment of suspense has to end in a jump scare there, there, there's ways to be oh there's a bird carrying a leaf outside there's ways to be <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> there's ways to be like using your I don't know. I'm not knowing of the terms well, but like dramatic and cinematography, like uh, the tools you have at your disposal can be more than just a face coming out of the mirror. Right. You know? And I mean, there are sometimes that jump scares are literally out of nowhere and are literally fantastic. And the one I'm thinking of is Haunting of Hill House. It is episode, you know, I want to say it's episode eight. Are you talking and about the, the Jeep? Saying the Jeep. Yeah. We're in there in the car mm -hmm. and it is literally out of nowhere. The two sisters are fighting and like, guys... This is a spoiler, so fast forward 10 seconds, but <laughs> the ghost sister doesn't like that they're fighting and literally just like appears out of nowhere, screams right in between them. Like her face is ghastly and nobody is expecting it. And I can tell you, we aren't expecting it the audience. The characters obviously aren't expecting it. And the actresses the actors aren't. <laughs> are not suspecting it because they thought it was gonna come at a different cue. Mm -hmm. So they like they're, but so they were told a different cue, but the actress who played the ghost sister was, like, told to come in earlier than that. So it was, like, getting their exact reaction. And let me tell you, that worked. <laughs> I don't know the ethics behind it, but that worked. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, if you can employ it in that way. And, you know, what? the reason I think it stands out is that there were not many of other ones. Right, it, yeah. It was spare. And I think that when you do it in that spare sort of way, it keeps 
the tension bubbling for the viewer of this could always happen, but I'm literally like, I'm not, you're not putting my adrenaline so high that I'm running out of steam halfway through the movie, just being like, ah, 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 ah. Okay, so we have the remove and the safety. Yeah. We have the people who are genetically predisposed to it. Also, people who tend to like scary stories and horror movies, and this does check out, are people who are new adults moving out of their parents' house potentially for the first time, because it is at a time when you are figuring out your like foundations for how you see the world and so in that sense it is kind of an exploratory that makes thing. sense that does make sense another thing it is is that you are able to see the, the the darker parts of humanity and this is more like for like psychological thrillers i think an example that the harvard business review gave i believe is the purge where yeah. you are like able to kind of see like okay if people were in this situation where you were prowling the streets at night or you have the ability you know, because the idea is you can do any crime at all. Yeah. One day out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen one of those movies, but it's like almost just a way of kind of, again, at a remove. The remove is the most important part. Being able to just see and study how people might theoretically behave in that sense. It's kind of, I guess you could say it's kind of a protection thing. That would make a lot of sense to me, at least. And then another idea is that you are experiencing through horror movies, or again, I'm extending this to scary stories, something that you wouldn't normally experience. Now, I have, like, I I have friends and you who, you know, are like kind of say you experience like ghosts like kind of like on a more especially specific friends like you were kind of like if I'm in a haunted place like I'll think of it but it's not like you're feeling it all the time and you recognize oh yes there's a spirit there his name is Jeff uh, right. <laughs> but like you know no I, I have friends who were like experience this more in their day-to-day life and they are chill as can be about it like there is no like concern they they just view it as like everyday or almost everyday experience and so I don't think this quite applies to people who potentially have that sense but to people who don't interact with the subject of scary stories or anything like that it, it is a way to experience something wholly new that you wouldn't otherwise be able to experience and I kind of as I was reading through these different reasons that we like ghost stories it really made sense for me why I got on a big big ghost binge March 2020 that lasted a very long time so literally I you know the two like seminal things for me at that time were I started listening to real life ghost stories podcast and started watching Haunting of Hill House and that actually happened on the same exact day so it was like you know everything had shut down I had gone back to South Carolina a bit to just kind of like wait while everything was in shutdown so I wouldn't be just like literally alone in an apartment and kind of going crazy so so I could be in in a house with my family and going crazy there instead (laughs) no 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 dig in my family just like it was a crazy time yeah (laughs) but I, I think that there's something about perhaps you're experiencing these dramatic stories and it was wholly different from the incredibly scary dramatic things that were happening in life at the moment and I Looking back, I have to assume that the reason I, like, hooked onto it so much at the time, in a way that lasted really for months, and I got very deep into it, is because, like, so deep I started a podcast, (laughs) was because it is a way 
of perhaps channeling all of the excess fear and adrenaline that is so hard to confront, especially when you're in a time like March 2020, when there were not a lot of answers, when you really didn't know how long it was going to take, when there, the full gravity of the situation, it's like you almost didn't quite want to process. But I'm like, I can't process this, but I can process these spooky stories. Uh-huh. And I have to assume, like, perhaps that's why, like, I dove into it so big there. And, you know, I do wonder if that was potentially a trend that other people experienced, too. So, like, guys, did y'all... <laughs> Yeah. Like, start experiencing this more during the pandemic, especially early days when there were so many unknowns. I'd be real. We should start a poll, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start a poll. I think I even, I think I started listening to, and that's why we drink during the pandemic, too. That was when yeah. I started doing that. Huh. When during the pandemic? <laughs> I have no think idea. Months. Okay, yeah, it's hard to, it's a blur. It's a giant blur. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just like kind of, as I was, I was not planning on drawing those connections, but as I was reading it, I was like, you know, this is kind of making sense. <laughs> like from a psychological perspective. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, Zoe, you have a story? Story? <laughs> for kind today? of? Yes, I do. So this is a continuation of last episode where we started the process of going through the Haunted Hospitality Guide to Ghost Hunting. And we had a discussion about what a ghost is and the types of ghosts. And just a real quick recap, there's a poltergeist, residual hauntings, intelligent spirits, shadow people, and demons. And if you're like, oh, what's the difference between those? Go listen to the last episode, please. So this episode, we're going to cover signs that you're being haunted slash common ghost phenomenons. We're going to cover some ghost hunting tools. We're going to cover what to do if you think that you're being haunted and some theories about ghosts if you don't believe in ghosts. I love it. The first one, signs that you're being haunted slash common ghost phenomena. So if you have seen any horror movie or show about ghosts, supernatural, you probably know a couple of these. So one, constantly feeling like someone is watching you. Two, strong odors with no source. So this could be the sulfur, the rotting meat, something like that. Or it could be a perfume that no one you know wears. Or like Mm -hmm. uh, the smell of cigarette smokes or cigar smoke. We've had it's quite a few ghost stories with that. Yeah, the cigar smoke especially. I feel like whenever I hear of sulfur, mm-hmm. I was always taught like that was like, demon. Well, yeah, that was actually in one of my things that hints that it's a demon is sulfur or the rotted meat smell. Yeah. Wasn't that like in your Goatman episode? Yes, that was in that, but that was explained by, um, apparently there was a lot of human sacrifices and- Oh, well, I'm at least sorry. it's chill. Animal suits, <laughs> animal sacrifices, sorry. Okay, and I repeat, but slightly less terrified. Oh, well, at least it's chill. <laughs> yeah. Number three is whispers or voices with no source. So if you hear people whispering in your house and there's nobody there- First, make sure that you don't have somebody living in your house, like in the crawl space, attic, or whatever. Mm. Secondly, if there's no one there, it's probably a ghost. I think you're probably going to bring this up in the what else could it be thing. It could also be auditory hallucinations. Yes, hallucinations is on that list. Okay, good. (laughs) If you hear other sounds, not necessarily whispers or voices, but um, knocking and chains rattling are two common ones. Some on the more fantastical side are whistling 
and maniacal laughter. So I've heard a lot of stories of whistling, mm-hmm. and they always freak me out. Yeah. I have not heard maniacal laughter. I have heard an EVP of maniacal laughter, and we'll get to that. Okay. But, but yeah, so those are some things. Number five is an unexplained event happening with regular occurrence. So this would be like you notice every single day this item in your house gets knocked over at exactly 3.33 p.m. So anything that happened, anything odd without explanation that happens on a regular occurrence. Granted, that also can include things like there's a train that goes through your neighborhood every day at three o'clock and so the vibrations make things move so try to find other explanations before you assume ghost but that is one of those things number six is feeling a room become inexplicably very hot or very cold so when i I would much rather feel it get cold than hot same (laughs) but very cold (laughs) would be probably in the tens fahrenheit so 10 15 20 degree fahrenheit And then very hot would be in the, like, 110s, 120s. Number seven is electronic devices turning on or off without reason. So just, like, a TV randomly turning on and no one's sitting on the remote. Your phone randomly turning off and there's nothing wrong with the diagnostics. Something like that. Battery-operated devices draining inexplicably fast with no mechanical issue. So if you have a camera and suddenly the battery keeps draining, keeps draining, it's brand new battery, you replace the battery five times, you know. Yeah, that comes up a lot. In those ghost, in ghost hunter shows. Ghost hunter shows. I remember there was like one university in particular when we did our, you know, haunted college tour yeah. that they were they would have like these like, and I can't remember which one. I can't remember. Um, but they would have these like yearly tours ghost tours on campus not ghost tours investigations yeah and it was like oh camera went out again camera went out again the battery is draining yeah these things like kept coming up and you'd think you would if you just have it once a year you think you would make sure your batteries are fresh (laughs) yeah another one is a peripheral sighting peripheral thank you Uh, That kind of sighting, so you see something move out of the corner of your eye, just letting you know that there is a medical thing for this, too. So if you constantly see shadows, like, moving out of the corner of your eye, please go get checked out by an eye doctor. But if you constantly- I would always see white things. You might need to see an eye doctor, Robin. (laughs) Okay, okay, thank you. (laughs) But I usually will see, like, a black shadow, and I'll look over, and it won't be there, and I look away, and I don't see anything. And I try to recreate movements and things like that, but I can't figure out what caused that black shadow. Well, you might need to see an eye doctor, Zoe. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So this one, to me, is the creepiest because I can't think of a rational explanation for this. So missing items found in strange areas where they would never be. So let's say you walk into your bathroom one day and your toothbrush is gone. And toothbrush aren't really things, unless you have severe ADHD, that you would often misplace, you know? You look high and low, can't find your toothbrush, right? And then you go into the fridge a week later to get your leftovers from last night, and your toothbrush is on top of your leftovers. A week later. I really hope you got a toothbrush in the interim, guys. (laughs) 
but that wasn't the point, Robin. Sorry. <laughs> but the point is like something goes missing and then you find it in such an obvious spot and there's no explanation because like the reason I mentioned specifically it's your last night's takeout. Well, you lost the toothbrush a week um. ago, but this is takeout from last night. So how did it get there? That's a poltergeist thing. So number 11 is strange dreams that you've never had before. I would add a little asterisk to that and say that you end up having repeatedly with no like stressor in your life. Okay. Because I have have some pretty strange dreams. Okay. Like some weird dreams. I feel like the human mind just sometimes will throw a curveball. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So I like the the addition of eh, in a repeated fashion. Right. Yeah. With no stressor. Yes. Like, I mean, I've heard of people who will have a dream. I don't know if you know this, Robin, but there's a current, there's a um, wives tale, I guess, that if you have a dream and there's a baby in it, somebody you know is going to die soon. I've also heard it. I'm trying to think back to when I had a lot of baby dreams a few years ago. I I, I think we were good. Okay. (laughs) There's a whole website dedicated, a whole chunk of websites dedicated to devouring your dreams. No, that's not the right word. Dissecting your dreams? Dissecting, yeah. 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 Devouring. (laughs) Devouring. (laughs) I feel like that's a good podcast name. (laughs) Devouring your dreams. Yeah. I wonder what... Anyway, sorry. Let's see. The next one, 12, is feeling someone touch you when no one is around. So that one is one I experience quite a lot here. Um, I will constantly feel the feeling of a cat rubbing up against my legs, and I'll look down to say hi to Soup. And soups like on the other room sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's what I feel all the time. So even if it's not toes, there is a ghost cat in this apartment. I like to think it's toesy. I like to think it's toes too. The next one is 13 objects moving on their own. I feel like this one's a little self-explanatory, but if you f- see things flying around the part your house or apartment, <laughs> that's yeah. No, that's probably a ghost. <laughs> if, cool beans. if anyone you know or you yourself have had mood swings or sudden irritability, that's a common ghosty haunting thing. So if somebody, yeah, <laughs> it's usually a demon thing. Just saying, but if somebody's like not going through a really rough time in their life. And they were hunky-dory, and suddenly they're, like, having high mood strings, and they're not pregnant. Like, Mm -hmm. that could be a sign. Somebody... Okay. There's also, like, just... There's other things that it could be. So it's kind of like... I say this as a person who routinely gets (laughs) a little bit moody. Well, like... If you have an upset stomach one night, you're not going to automatically diagnose yourself with ulcers, you know? But if you have the stomach ache repeatedly and there's other symptoms of ulcers and you've been taking a bunch of ibuprofen recently, maybe you'll be like, hmm, that's ulcers. So don't diagnose your ghost problem with one symptom. If there's a bunch of symptoms, that's when you might have to be like, hmm, there's a ghost. Wait, do ibuprofen cause ulcers? If you take too much ibuprofen too too frequently without eating properly before it, yes. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, also good insight about ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number fifteen is sudden 
and constant sleep paralysis. So if you've literally never gotten sleep paralysis a day in your life and suddenly every single night you're having sleep paralysis and seeing the same things every single night could be a haunting. Go ahead. Not fun. (laughs) Not fun. That's the only thing I really have to say. Not fun. Number 16 is feeling weak, like the energy is drained from you. So this could be a sign that there is a ghost taking your energy or you've been attacked by the boo hag. But feeling weak, like I said, is just the ghost taking your energy. Your pets are acting strange. They're barking at nothing, staring into the air, acting scared, playing with someone who isn't there. Strange behavior by your cats or dogs or goldfish. Goldfish? I don't know. Who would your goldfish do? (laughs) Just swim to the opposite side of the tank and not go. I don't know. I've heard that goldfish are actually very intelligent creatures. I I think I might have heard that too. I've also heard they're really dumb. No comment, I guess. I've never had one. But yeah, there was something like a few months ago. I remember there was one night in particular. So my two cats, Remy and Tara. Remy was kind of acting. I mean, and she's a weird cat. She always just kind of acts weird. But Tara's not necessarily a weird cat. And so I like came into my room and Tara was just sitting like, like, you know how cats, when there's different levels of sitting and laying. So she was, like, sitting but on her haunches. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting, like, right in front of, like, my kind of entryway into my room, which is not a place she normally chills. And she's just staring, like, I guess right at me as I come in, but then kind of, like, right behind me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Oh, God. You cannot do this tonight. We're shutting the door. You need to leave. I don't know. We're not doing this right now. <laughs> Though I do want to say that if your cat is staring into a wall, like at a wall, and you don't see any bugs or anything, you might have a infestation of some kind of critter in your walls that they can hear. Well, in this case, it was blank space. But no, yeah, no, that one, yeah, yeah, no, that was a ghost. So this next one, 18, kind of goes with the feeling of constantly being watched. If you get goosebumps frequently for no reason, maybe there's a ghost blowing on your arm or something. So number 19, I I saw this listed a couple times and I was just like, I guess I'll put it. Seeing someone else's reflection in the mirror. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) why I was like, third? I I feel like that's uh, that's a pretty surefire. Some signs you you might... Some signs you might be haunted. You see a ghost. <laughs> like dirt. You know, I feel like that would be my first go-to inference from that situation. Yeah, 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 no. So the next one is doors opening and closing by themselves. We learned this a couple weeks ago, yes. Or last week, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this could be one of those things where it's, like, on its hinges weird. But if it's a door that's literally never done that, there's a good chance it's a ghost. Yeah. And there's some um, things with, like, pressure and, like, air conditioner. Because I remember in, like, high school, there was one teacher's door. And we were always, like, joking that it was haunted, but, like, kind of not joking. <laughs> because it would just spontaneously open and shut and everything. Yeah, Um, like, if there's a hallway with two doors on it and you open one, the other one usually shuts if it's kind of closed. And then the AC has something to do with it. Air pressure, yeah. So, like, this this door I have to my office behind me, you might or might not be able to see that I have kind of, like, a little square seat thing. It's, like, one of those storage cubes that you can sit on if you need to, if you're really desperate. And I have that against the door because the door doesn't click shut. Right. So it, if somebody opens the front door downstairs, the door opens. If somebody walks past it, the door opens. If one of my cats is like, I want in, 
ugh, the door opens. Right. So. So, if it's a door that is not known for opening it on its own, that's where it not gets creepy. And the last one is ectoplasm. So, ectoplasm, I think of ectoplasm and my brain immediately goes to ghost hunters. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, thank you. <laughs> and the green goo, right? So, ectoplasm is described online in multiple sources as being like the white runny bit of the egg the, okay. the not yolk so it's described as that texture and color however ectoplasm can look like blood and you know what that makes me think of robin the mystery of the bleeding house exactly are we adding another theory to the list of theories that we never figured out are we adding ectoplasm yep all right it disappeared as quickly as it appeared right they didn't have to clean it no. up oh no they did yeah, have they to did. clean it and remember, it got tested, and it was determined to be right. human blood. Okay, that's right. Are okay. we still having it to the list of no, theories? No, no. Never okay. mind, I take it back. Hopefully taken off. <laughs> hey, at least we debunked something. Woo! Woo! So yes, that is the last item. If you see ectoplasm all over your walls, if the bleeding starts and goes away rapidly, then ectoplasm, you're being haunted. So let's say you think you're going to be haunted, so you need to get some ghost hunting tools, Okay. Here are some ghost hunting tools you could could get. I'm not going to say should. You could get. And some <laughs> ghost hunting tools you probably shouldn't get. So. Okay. There has been a history of people marketing certain tools as ghost hunting tools. And people would be like, oh, how does this show where a ghost is? And they'd be like, it just works. Don't ask me. <laughs> so there's... You know there's no, like, back-upable proof behind ghosts, right? There's yeah, no... I'm aware. Yeah. That's why I don't say you should get. You could get. So the theory behind ghost hunting tools is that ghosts do have some form or matter in this world. It's not just, like, an image from a different world that we're seeing or anything like that. And it's just not a lot, and it's pretty hard to detect to the point where our naked eyes and ears can't detect it. And so ghost hunting tools rely on minute changes that we can't detect. And so these these have pressure sensors that require not a lot to trigger them. These are listening tools, like recorders that our ears can't hear, and cameras to see things that we can't see. There is a theory that ghosts have electrical energy, so, Robin, I don't know if you know this, but humans have electrical energy within our bodies. So our yeah. nervous system is electrical energy. And they believe that ghosts also have this electrical energy, that they have some mass to them, but they don't. It's just such a small amount. Like, I don't know if you've seen. Oh, I didn't add this to my notes, but there is this experiment this doctor did where he was he had a man on a table, a, ma a dying man on a table that was the most sensitive scale, I guess, that they could have in that time. And this man was on the table and he passed away on the table and he lost nine grams of weight. I think I've heard of this before. Yes. So they believe that he lost his soul and your soul has matter just very very light matter it's nine grams so it's not very dense or anything like that 
And so that's how your soul, your spirit is able to interact with the living world. And that's how these ghost detecting machines are able to pick up on them. Do you think at all that that could have been like, you're dying, you're kind of like letting go of like air that was in your body? So that is one of the biggest like questions people have about it. But the person who did the study said that this he was monitoring the scale for the inhale and exhale breath. So it he... Okay. He said that the nine grams was beyond the normal exhalation of breath. Granted, when you and I are breathing normally, we don't let out all air in our body, but air is mm-hmm. less than nine grams, I believe. <laughs> like, a lungful of air I, is I, probably less than nine I grams. I genuinely have no, like, concept for what nine grams of weight is. A regular paperclip is approximately half of a gram. Okay, so he lost 18 paperclips. Yes. All right. So it doesn't actually help me very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here are some tools that are used. There is the EMF, which is the electromagnetic field meter, which Robin, you have. The EMF reader reads EMFs. I just wanted to say that real quick because I'm going to use EMF to refer to the machine and what it's reading. Robin, you and I went through my apartment and with the EMF machine. And what it reads is the electromagnetic frequencies of the world around it. So every electrical thing that you have gives off a little bit of energy, electrical energy. And an EMF detector was originally created for contractors to know, like, so that they can put it up against a wall and know if there's a wire through that wall. That way they don't smash their hammer in it and electrocute themselves. So then... Somebody somewhere was like, oh, I'll use that to detect ghosts. So the theory, (laughs) (laughs) the theory is that ghosts have electrical energy and that when your EMF spikes, it's reading the electrical energy of that ghost. However, it's really easy to use it wrong because anytime you get a text, that'll be a spike. So you have to make sure your phone's off. If you're near a socket. If you're near a socket, if you're near any electrical wires, it'll go off. And so you can't really trust EMF readers in a house or place where there's electrical devices. And unfortunately, when you're reading, you're doing an EMF reading, you probably have another... another tool that uses electricity so if you notice it's spiking when you turn around oh that's because you have a walkie on your hip you know your cameraman is right there exactly emf reading is usually best done when you're not inside and you're not somewhere where there's electrical power a cemetery a cemetery a would be a, if you turn your phone off don't do it alone please if you turn your phone off and you're in a cemetery that would be a perfect place to do emf detecting i don't think anyone's being buried with an active like charged device <laughs> they loved this phone we are burying <laughs> them with this phone and we're gonna regularly send them texts so geiger counters are the next tool i'd like to discuss these read the ambient radiation in our surrounding area so you've heard of a Geiger counter. It's that thing that goes click, 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 click. And it's usually used in movies when they're going into a nuclear base or something. I think so. Okay. Well, you know, too much radiation can kill you. So a Geiger counter reads the radiation so that you can stay away from highly irradiated areas. 
And this is another one of those situations where people are like, oh, ghosts give off radioactive energy, so you can use this to hunt a ghost. And to me, electrical energy kind of makes sense, but the radioactive energy doesn't really make sense, just personally. People don't give off radioactive energy. We do, though. It's just really minute. It's really tiny. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. But the Geiger counter that you'd be buying would not be able to read those tiny little blips. Okay. So unless you are a state-of-the-art scientist who specializes in nuclear physics or whatever, you're most likely not going to buy a $3,000 Geiger counter that can detect the tiniest amounts of radioactive energy. You're going to get a normal $20 one off of Amazon and it's not gonna it's not gonna work though if it does start going off i highly recommend you start moving in the opposite direction yeah (laughs) so the next tool that you can have on your tool belt is a thermometer so this i hope i don't need to explain what a thermometer is but it is a tool that can read the temperature of a surface or a room so uh these are usually used when a ghost hunter feels a cold or hot spot and so they'll take a temperature because you can't i mean you could but it won't be very scientific like if you're writing a log of trying to prove ghosts exist if you put it felt cold nobody's really going to take that because they don't know you maybe you're just a cold person you know so yeah being able to have that thermometer out and like take temperature of the air you could say it was 14 degrees when previously it was 70, you know? Now, I did see one, uh, I think I mentioned him in the last episode, the one that was like, you're a stupid head for believing in ghosts, but here's all this fact about ghosts. He said that there is an issue with the thermometers that ghost hunters use because they use surface thermometers. And these are like thermometers where you like point at a surface and you take the temperature of it. He said like, that's not accurate. And you would be measuring the surface and maybe that surface is really cold, but the air isn't. And any thermometer that you're going to use that would measure the air, it would need to be in the room already and it has to be taking constant measurements. And it's just, it's a state of the art product again, that wouldn't really work. I don't know if I believe him or follow his train of thought, but I did mm-hmm. want to say it just because I don't want people being like, well, you're stupid. So, <laughs> okay. But I think thermometers will work really well if you do end up getting a cold spot suddenly. And I would say an, a fluctuation of 10 or so degrees probably isn't really anything to write home about. But like 50, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a thing. Dear mother, the temperature was 70 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I felt a chill and realized, oh my goodness, it was 60 degrees Fahrenheit. <gasps> Please advise. Go to bed, is what she would say. <laughs> <laughs> Drink some water. Yeah, yeah. So the next one is infrared cam- cameras. So these are cameras that can pick up on temperature changes. So the theory is that you feel ghosts, you feel cold spots because ghosts are cold. Okay. So theoretically, you can see a humanoid shape or just a dense pack of air that's really, really cold or really, really hot. And there's no explanation for it. Like there's no AC unit above it. And this infrared camera, if running, could capture a ghost on footage. 
And so it's as simple as that. It's just catching a cold or hot ghost. You know, I think that would be really, really interesting. And just seeing, like, it, it would just be interesting to, like, put some, like, an infrared camera out, I think, like, overnight. And then just, like, fast forward through the footage and just see what happens. Yeah, you have to have more patience than I. But <laughs> fast forward really fast. Through the well, if you fast forward too fast, you wouldn't be able to see. Fast forward a medium amount through the footage. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the next one is this camera that I just tried to Google, but I couldn't find the name for it. But it's a camera that can measure... Oh, what was the episode? The ghost portion of the Madame Lollery episode that I did. Mm -hmm. So our last double feature. They had this camera that can detect the mass of a ghost. So basically, if you or I stood in front of this camera, it would draw shape like a stick figure over us because it would register where our mass is okay it would have the, like the circle for the head neck the shoulders and it would have joints for our arms you know so it would be like a really kind teacher playing hangman with her students kind of stick figure okay <laughs> this it would cover over one of us and the theory is that ghosts have mass like i've said a couple times and this camera can pick up on that mass and it'll draw a stick figure over that mass so you'll be able to see approximately where the ghost is and if it's a child it'll be a smaller stick figure so it'll be proportionate i have heard a story of there being a one-legged ghost and this stick figure per thing only gave the ghost one leg so it's, okay. it's for you to be able to see where the ghost is in the room and it is live so it's not something that you have to watch back like you can watch it as it's happening the minute a stick figure like materialized on the screen I'm out of there <laughs> so actually in that one episode that we covered it actually sat down in the dining room chair next to one of the hosts no no <laughs> no I'm I'm gone so another vision thing that you can have is night vision goggles. So this is relatively simple, but night vision goggles doesn't allow you to see anything that you wouldn't see during the day. Mm -hmm. Ghosts appear at night. Why though? I tried to Google that, but nobody has an answer for it. Some I people they don't just appear at night. So one theory I saw a lot was that maybe they do appear during the day. It's just there's more people during the day. And it's brighter during the day, so A, it's harder to see them, and B, if you do see them, you think it's another person. But at night, there's not going to be a lot of people around, unless you're downtown. And because it's darker, if they're translucent, it's a little bit easier to see them. Like, if you have a candle, you know? It's easier to see a candle flame in the dark than it is to see it in the day. Yeah. So that, that was the biggest theory I could see, is, like... Well, maybe, maybe it's not that they're only there at night. It's just they're harder to see during the day. Mm -hmm. The night vision goggles will allow you to just see full body apparitions if they would be visible in daylight. The next one is sensitive microphones. So uh, these are voice recorders, preferably, that can pick up a lot of sounds. You wouldn't want to use like just a camera mic. You would want to use a nice microphone. 
And this is to get electronic voice phenomenons, or EVPs for short. These are sounds or voices that human ears are unable to pick up and they're attributed to ghosts. Sometimes you can hear a ghost responding to your question. This is not something that you would hear at the time of haunting. This would be something that you listen back to later. So you'd be recording, you would say something like, Michael, are you here? And later when you're listening to the recording, you would hear your own voice say, Michael, are you here? And Michael would say no. And you wouldn't hear that no in person. Okay. That's what makes it an electronic phenomenon. Yes. And I I mentioned this in the past, but I was able to find the grading class for it. There's a grading system for EVPs. And if you go to my sources, which are linked in our show notes, you can find the link for wisps.org. And you'll be able to hear examples of these different classes. Yeah, um, so we actually covered this a little bit in, I think, the King's Tavern episode or something very, one of those in that time realm. But I remember something about, like, for example, A is very distinctive, like you can hear it back and you don't need any kind of prompting to know what they're saying versus, like, when it comes to, like, C, etc., it really needs to be laid out for you what you're saying. And so then, of course, it just calls into question, like, you're probably just thinking it says these things because those are the words on the screen. <clears throat> Ghost adventures. <laughs> so yeah. A was spot on. C is actually a little bit higher than that. So A class A okay. EVPs are very clear and easy to hear and understand without manipulation of the audio. So, like, without any, like, amplification, noise removal, anything like that, it's very clear and easy to understand, and pretty much everybody who listens is going to be like, oh, yeah, he said hello. Yeah, okay. Class B are loud and rarely need enhancement, but they're not necessarily readily understood. You may need to loop it a couple times fully understand, but once you do, you can be like, oh, yeah, he probably said hello. Mm-hmm. Class C are faint and can only really be understood when they're enhanced, and you may need headphones to listen to it, but once it's enhanced and isolated, you can hear the words pretty clearly. Okay. Class D and G EVPs are the kinds you were speaking about. So class D is like, if it's faint and you can't make out the words, it sounds like, and you have to amplify it five times just to hear that. And the words pop up on the screen that says potato. And you're like, yeah, I guess I can hear potato. And then class G just stands for garbage. It's usually people who are trying to say that it's the EVP, but it's not actually. Gotcha. There is one more class, though. What's the other class? It's class R. Do you want to guess on what it is? No, I don't know. What is it? It's anytime Robin says anything on this podcast. I'm 100% joking. <gasps> I'm joking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so class R is a very, very, very rare and most end up turning out to be either a coincidence or a hoax. But these are EVPs that are only able to be understood when played backwards. Oh, yeah. R is yeah, for that. reverse. <laughs> So the next tool that you could have is a spirit box. This is a device that jumps through AM radio channels very quickly, like so quickly that all you hear is white noise, right? And have Mm -hmm. you seen the Transformers movie with Shia LaBeouf? No. Okay. 
Well, in the Transformers movie with Shia LaBeouf, Bumblebee is the Transformer that Shia LaBeouf gets, right? And Bumblebee's voice box is broken. And how he communicates to Shia LaBeouf is that he will cycle through radio stations until it's saying what he wants to say. So there's a point... Oh! Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, he'll play radio ads, music, clips, you know, and he'll go really quickly between the stations. That's kind of what's happening with Spirit Boxes, but Spirit Boxes, like, jump through the channels so quickly that the spirits, in theory, are able to use the box to create words or phrases using their own energy and the AM radio signals, and... It's their own voice in the spirit box. So if you say, hey, are you 13? Or you would say, hey, how old are you? You would hear a 13-year-old girl's voice saying, I'm 13, through the spirit box. And this is heard in real time. This isn't like an EVP where you have to listen back. This is heard in real time. Okay, gotcha. That's what a spirit box is. The next one is an ovulus. And I could be pronouncing it wrong. It's O-V-I-U-L-U-S. So Ovilus, somewhere around there. But that is actually the brand name. I wasn't able to find, like, the name of the individual, like, the actual machine. But this is something that Zach Baggins uses. It's similar to a spirit box. But what it is, it's a machine that has, it has a dictionary on it. And it has a Microsoft Sam voice or a robot voice. And the spirit is able to go through the dictionary and pick words for the robot voice to read out. So there was one episode, I forget which episode it was, but actually, no, I do remember it was Moon River Brewery that I mm-hmm. did where he was standing next to a water bottle and the obvious, the robot voice said, water. <laughs> and so they were saying that it was the ghost saying he's next to a water bottle. Like, he, that's where the ghost was or something like that. But the difference between the ovulus and a spirit box is that the spirit box, it will be in their voice. But in the ovulus, it will be in that robot voice no matter what. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, this one would be heard in person. The next tool you could have is a camera or a video recorder. Okay. I feel like I don't really need an explanation for that. (laughs) But to catch things if they start flying, you know. So the next one is really a genre of things that you can get. I would call these probably analog communication tools. (laughs) So this is a Ouija board. This This is pendulums. And dowsing rods. Okay, okay. Can I just say, I'm anti-Ouija board, as Uh you know. Mm -hmm. But, honestly, part of me wants a pendulum. And most of that, most of me wants that because I think they're pretty. True. True. A Ouija board, I feel like everybody knows this. It's a board that has the alphabet on it. And you have a planchette that every player puts their fingers on the planchette. And it has a little hole in the center. And that hole will hover over letters and it'll spell out words. So you can say hello, ask the questions, and then make sure you say goodbye at the end. And that's how how you can communicate with a Ouija board. 
So do you communicate via, like, do you move it from letter to letter to, like, ask the question? Or is that simply how they are supposedly communicating back with you? That's how they're communicating back with you. You can just ask a question in general. Oh, good. And so the thing behind Ouija boards is that it's, like, or the critic thing behind Ouija boards, I would say, is that the people who are playing are so, like, anticipatory to feeling the planchette move that they end up moving it themselves without realizing it. Mm -hmm. And so, but the thing is that the spirit is supposed to be kind of, like, moving your hands for you to spell out the letters and that's why people re- see Ouija boards as very dangerous because you're literally inviting the spirit to interact with you and kind of control you a little bit gotcha see I'm anti that <laughs> so pendulums are kind of similar but it's usually a crystal on a chain it can be really anything honestly but you'll hold it and you'll say hey move it in a direction for yes and the pendulum will move in one direction it'll be like oh, that's a yes. And then it'll say, move in another direction for no. And it'll go that way for no. And you'll be like, okay, are you dead? And it'll go to yes. And you'll say, okay, are you not dead? And it'll go to no. I don't know why those were the only two questions I can think of. But um, (laughs) pendulums are also used in situations where you're trying to find something. So if you go to a house and there's like, a dead body there and you're trying to find the body or, or like where they died or something like that you'll hold the chain and be like lead me to where you died and the pendulum is supposed to move and lead you through the house until it starts like it's points straight down or something like that so i saw this buzzfeed video where this person used pendulums regularly and she gave her wedding ring to like a friend who worked at buzzfeed so this person didn't work there and the friend like hit it somewhere in the BuzzFeed offices. And so this person, like, was like, okay, Pendulum, lead me to the wedding ring. And she actually got to it, and it was, like, you know, far away. Yeah. Witches use pendulums as well to do things like that. So. Okay. Yeah. The other one is the dowsing rods. So these are L-shaped rods where you hold the short end in your hand. And these were originally um, sticks, and they were used to find well water. So people who were dowsers, they would be able to find well water. What would happen is they would hold the bars parallel facing away from them and they would just walk around the land. And when the rods cross, that was where the water was. And that genuinely worked. That was genuinely how people dug wells in the old days. So Mm -hmm. now people say like, if you're, where are you? And it'll, like, point to the left. If they're to the left, it'll point to the right. And it's like, was your mom the person who killed you? And it'll cross for yes and move away for no kind of thing. So mm-hmm. so that's, like, I just like analog communication s- s- devices. I honestly like the analog a lot better. But they're Mine a lot easier to trick because I could be, like, holding my dowsing rods and be like, are you dead? Oh my god, he said yes, you know. Yeah, and, and and the thing with the pendulum is, like, you know, your hand is moving in minute ways. And mm-hmm. so if you're saying, like, okay, swing forward for yes and this way to the no, you could easily just kind of, like, 
and through 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 no intention just get it yeah like you're leading it all of these things yeah where where you are actually the thing holding the thing like you 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 are very clearly with the power to affect the answer whether or not you intend to do so right yeah the next one that I'm, or last one, excuse me, that I'm going to cover is phone apps. I think I've said multiple times on this podcast that I don't trust phone apps. So these are phone apps that say they detect EVPs, EMF, radiation. They say that they're a spirit box, but honestly, they're most, most of them are just programmed to do random stuff and freak you out. It's... Yeah, I had one that like was supposedly like getting word, getting words from the atmosphere, and it was reading and... the it often a robot voice that would be like ovulus. Yeah, it wasn't reading it out loud to me, but it was like appearing. The words were appearing on the screen, and like, I mean, it's just throwing random words together. Yeah, it, that's what it's doing. Yeah, so I don't 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 trust phone apps. <laughs> so the next category is what do you think? What to do if you think you're being haunted. Let's say you think you're being haunted, you get some of these tools, and you're like, yep, I'm haunted. What should your next steps be? So, um, Move. I found this on Team Vogue, some of these on Team Vogue, and one of them is to ghost them. So, ghost the ghosts. <laughs> so, every time you interact with a ghost, you make it stronger. And so, if you ignore them, and say, like, just, or just straight up be like, go away, and then ignore them, they can go away. The less you interact with them, the weaker they become until they're barely a nuisance. Cool. The next step is to cleanse your living space. You can burn lavender or sage, wash your floors, open windows, turn on fans, get any rid of any creepy objects like the doll from your recently deceased grandmother. Just clean, get rid of old things, get rid of tarnished things just clean and that can usually get rid of a ghost too can i tell you just a brief aside about burning sage Uh um i was not the one doing it but i was at a rally a couple of years ago outside summertime hot as can be this woman was burning sage near me don't do that it was really hot and then it got stuffy and it was outside how do you get things stuffy outside i'm like honey that is not necessary (laughs) for this occasion yeah no i would be be careful of others some people are allergic to shit sage so if you have roommates just make sure that they're okay with it people are asthmatic you know just make sure everyone's okay with it before you do anything i just had to voice my supreme annoyment annoyance at that and make sure you do your research don't just you heard me say sage and go out and buy sage like just make sure you do it ethically because i know there's a lot of issues with people buying native american sage and things like that so please do your research before you go out and buy sage by the bulk the next thing is to bring in crystals if If you're somebody who believes in ghosts, most likely you believe in crystals as well. Black tourmaline will protect you from negativity and they block EMFs. So do some research on more positive protective crystals and you can bring those in. Salt. You can put salt in the corners or you can salt lines because ghosts can't cross salt. Some say it's similar to the reason that you salt meat to make like jerky and stuff like that. So salted meat Salt keeps away rot, keeps away dead bodies, keeps away ghosts kind of thing. So um, mm. other people say it's because 
well, I know, like, vampires have to count rice. Maybe it's similar to that. But also, salt is a crystalline structure, but it's not an organized crystalline structure. So they can, like, get lost in it. I don't know. There's no science behind ghost hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Number five is to keep a log or journal and make notes of the time things happen and what exactly happens. So if you're being haunted, make sure you write it down, have a journal, maybe take photos if you can. If and you... then send all these things to us. And then send all these things to us! <laughs> also, if you happen to be seeing a therapist, there might be some things that you want to share with a therapist or maybe a doctor. Mm-hmm. Or at least get somebody else that you love and trust to look at it because you could be taking pictures of what you think is something freaky and they're like, hey, there's nothing in that photo. You might need to get checked out. So just yeah. just show it to someone you trust before you automatically think it's a ghost or something like that. The next one goes along with that is get your house inspected. If you're smelling rotten flesh, there might be a poor creature in your wall If the walls are creaking, you could have structural damage. If you're seeing things, there could be a CO2 situation going in your house. Toxic mold is an issue that can affect this too, right? I I believe so, yes. You can get sick off of it. And if you're inhaling enough of that stuff, you know. And, okay, not to bring everything back to Haunting of Hill House, but, I mean, the house itself was kind of creating this, like, talk like black mold issue within it mm-hmm. and like the the room that okay spoilers the red room at the center of it which you know of course everybody was having either hallucinations or paranormal experiences and once we actually saw it for what it was it was covered in mold right yeah and there, there's kind of like a theory of well did anything paranormal happen in that show or were these people suffering from mold poisoning <laughs> so like people like really there are things that, and like that would explain a lot of the reasons why old houses are supposedly more haunted it's like no there's just this house might not be super inhabitable right and you are having negative effects from living in there there's faulty wiring yeah i'm just gonna shut up but like there's just a lot <laughs> check your house out yeah yeah <laughs> get your house in order what is that? so once the house inspector comes in and they say everything's clear get a catholic uh, get a catholic get a priest If you're not a Catholic, you can get a paranormal investigation team coming in, but get somebody who knows their stuff to come in and either bless the house or do some more in-depth research. Just please, please, Mm -hmm. please make sure that it is a legit person that you're inviting into your house. They shouldn't be asking for money if they're a priest or a paranormal investigator. They shouldn't be bringing any reporters unless it was previously agreed to by you. They shouldn't be doing anything creepy and make sure you have somebody with you so that they can't do anything to you. So please just be safe. I also feel like, I feel like Catholic priests are like the ones who are like most associated with these type of cleansings just because, actually, I feel like there could probably be like an entire thesis on why. Um, well, but it's the Pope I'm sure like whatever do... like your religious it's... persuasion is, Sorry. I'm sure like whatever your religious persuasion is, like... There could be, there's probably like a a, a person <laughs> for well, this kind of thing. The reason I said Catholic is it's because the Pope is the only one who can allow an exorcism to happen. So a, a priest can bless your house, but mm-hmm. it's not an exorcism unless the Vatican says it is. But that's also looking at this with a very Catholic lens, like what you and I 
through our Western lens might understand as needing an exorcism might be a completely other thing in, in a different religion. Right. Um, but I don't actually know a lot of the details about that, but you know what? We should. That, that we, sh- we should look into these things. Yeah. So that ends the what you can do about it. Of course, you can move, as Robin says. <laughs> but if it is a poltergeist, it'll just move with you. Just saying. So some theory, critical theories about ghosts. Unfortunately, we're going to have to kind of speed through this a little bit. So we already, I feel like we've already kind of done a little bit of the naysayer while going through all of this, but hallucinations, Mm -hmm. this could be an adverse reaction to medicine, a mental illness you did not realize you had, CO2 levels in your house, or maybe you just had, you watched a scary movie and you thought you saw something, you know? So just hallucinations, auditory or visual hallucinations is a possibility. Sleep paralysis, we've covered this up, down, left, and right on this show. So, um, what episode it's do you know? It's a scientific phenomenon. So I went in on it. Was it the Hat I Man episode? I think it was episode, tw- it, it was right, I talked about it a little bit then, but I think I really dug into it during the Something Spooky in the subsequent episode, which okay. would be episode 12, Moon River Brewing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So this is another thing we've mentioned a couple times, but it's pareidolia. So this is called bottom-up processing, and this is what what allows us to be able to see a cloud and be like, oh, that looks like a bunny, or see random patterns in the wall and say, that looks like a face. So um, Mm. your brain will sometimes focus on one thing, and it will try to find a pattern and logic and reasoning in it, and maybe you just missed something. You know, like, an intentional blindness kind of goes with this. Robin, you've heard of this probably, but have you ever seen that video where it's a bunch of people are playing basketball and they're wearing blue shirts and red shirts and it says count the number of times the people in the blue pass a ball. And so you have to count the number of times the people in blue pass the ball. And then at the end of the video, it'll be like, how many did you get? Was it 13? And you'll be like, oh yeah, I got it. And they're like, but did you see the gorilla? And so if you watch the video back... (laughs) There's a person in a gorilla suit that just walks through the middle of it. And you don't see them because you're focusing so much on counting the number of passes of the people in the blue shirt. Wow. And and so inattentional blindness is when your brain is focusing so hard on one thing, it doesn't see something else. Something like that would be you see something fall off and you look over and you're like, oh my God, that thing just fall fell. And you see your cat over here, but you don't realize that because you were looking for the source of the loud noise, you didn't see your cat run away from the counter kind of thing. Gotcha. And then the last one is hoaxes slash gullibility. Um, So some people are just cruel. Some people are attention sinking. Sometimes jokes get out of proportion. Like they just go a little bit too far, a little bit too extreme. And from there people believe it and then there's something there let's take for example the devil's tramping ground right so Mm. let's say five guys were chilling at the devil's tramping ground and they came up with this scary story and decided to start telling one of them started telling the other four and the other Mm -hmm. four trust this person so they believe him and then they start seeing weird crap in the middle of the night 
and it could just be an owl, but because their senses are high, because they've been freaked out by the story, they're going to think it's the demon or the devil or the ghost dog, you know? So, so then they'll see this stuff and be like, oh my God, that's a ghost dog. I saw it. And so they'll go home and they'll tell their friends and their friends will tell their friends and it will go on the front there where everybody goes to this place with this heightened sense of, (gasps) but then normal wood stuff happens and they believe it's the ghost dog kind of thing. And so Mm. just hoaxes and gullibility. There are some times when I'm doing, you know, research and I'm trying to, like, collect experiences that people have posted online about this specific place. And there's definitely times when I'm like, no, I'm not putting that on there because I think that you're lying. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, people could be lying about a lot of these things. People could be embellishing the truth. Maybe. In, in that sense, I hope that, like, our listeners are understanding that, like, we're trying to, like, pass along you know, what what we think not necessarily like, oh, this definitely happened, but like, this is at least what this person experienced. And so like, we're trying to do that as much as possible on our end, but also take everything with a grain of salt because this is the internet, folks. And it could be that maybe not somebody was lying, but they they wrote something or said something for a particular audience that knew that they weren't, like they were just telling a story and then somebody no. outside of that audience heard or found it somehow. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't know. The Slenderman effect. Like, it was written fictionally for a fiction thing. And people saw it without knowing the context of the competition that was happening. And thought that there was a Slenderman ghost. So, or creature, creature of some sort. Cryptid? I don't yeah. know. God. I guess. Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, the Slenderman kind of morphs between categories, I think. Yeah. But yes, Robin, that concludes part two of Haunted Hospitality's Guide to Ghost Hunting. Well, thank you for sharing and having, getting together this little. Um, what is repository of information that we can just reference in yes. the future. An audio encyclopedia of sorts, I would say. Audio encyclopedia. I love it. Guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, prescribe, res- <laughs> please rate, subscribe, review, tell a friendo, and sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash haunted hospitality for just $3 a month. You get a new episode from us yes and it comes out on the 13th because we're spooky if you want to see my sources you can head over to hauntedhospitality.wordpress.com also if you want to send us your own spooky story maybe you've seen a ghost um or you have any questions about what i covered i would love to cover it for in the next episode um do a little bit more research into something if you think i didn't cover it i would love to do that so write to us at haunted hospitality podcast at gmail.com or slide into our dms we are on twitter at haunted house we are also on facebook instagram and tiktok at haunted hospitality we hope to see you there stay Stay spooky. spooky